0: So we've been talking here uh, a lot um, about the force the vote idea, which has been a huge, huge fracas on the interweb and social media and YouTube over the last two weeks. And everybody is fighting everybody because, oh, my God, Jimmy Dore came up with the idea, and we don't like Jimmy Dore, so we have to knock down a good idea. I have been on the record. I'm for force the vote. I don't care who it came from, although it did come from Jimmy, and I think he deserves credit. If you watched Jimmy's show last night, which I did, for those saying that Jimmy is doing this for clicks, why don't you go watch his show and listen to the story he told about almost dying from a rare bone disease that he had and literally having to bankrupt him and his wife to get medical care? Literally, he had a very rare bone disease. I didn't even know about this. He had a rare bone disease. His spine snapped. He went from 5'10 to 5'7 because his spine snapped. The only way he could get out of bed for several, for a year, was downing Vicodin. He went around and around for, I think, two years, getting misdiagnosed, or doctors couldn't diagnose him. What was wrong? Meanwhile, he was recommended to see the best specialist, I guess, in the country. But that specialist doesn't take an insurance. Because in America, you can't see the best doctor if you don't have the money. So he and his wife had to take out loans. uh, I think another mortgage. Bankrupt themselves. Literally, go into medical bankruptcy to see the right doctor who diagnosed him with a rare Uh, Correct. I apologize. I I can't remember what it's called a rare disease. And finally, he got the surgery that literally saved his life. The doctor was shocked when he even was able to walk into his office because his bone disease was that bad. So I don't think he's doing this for clicks. I really don't. And when I say it's not about Jimmy, I mean, it's really not about Jimmy. You know, I'm not into all these like high school dramatic fights between this YouTube host and that one and that one. Like, fuck it. I've had enough drama over the last years. But who, like, I'm seeing a lot of YouTube hosts talking like Jimmy, people like Jimmy are not qualified or don't have the credentials or haven't been in the movement or haven't done the movement work long enough to be leading this. And my response, as somebody who's traveled the country for six years, who has been on the ground covering movements, BLM, No Dapple, Amazon strike, um, George Floyd protests, Breonna Taylor protests, uh, General Motors workers getting laid off, and, and the union movement that responded to that. I'm not a movement leader, I don't think, but I know a little bit something about movements. And I don't know, the, the arguments against this is that it won't pass if, if the progressives who currently do have the numbers, and we redid this graphic, I took Richie Torres out there because I looked into him and I don't think he's progressive, I think he's a fraud. He ran on Medicare for all, that's why I had him in there, but I took him out. But for those saying, we don't have the leverage right now to win, to pass Medicare for All. Well, I'm pretty sure Martin Luther King, Gloria Steinem, Harvey Milk, Indigenous leaders, Malcolm X, we could go on. I'm pretty sure they weren't like, no, we shouldn't. We shouldn't um, cross the Selma Bridge. We shouldn't do that because we're not going to win tomorrow. I'm pretty sure Harvey Milk wasn't like, no, let's not go protest because we don't have the votes or we don't have the consensus yet. I mean, that argument is just the antithesis of how movements actually work. Movements and their goals don't generally succeed without many, many losses beforehand. But those losses are values are valuable because they serve as building blocks to the ultimate victory. So all these people who, frankly, I feel are extremely, maybe not intentionally, but are extremely condescending. But who made, you know, with all due respect, who made Sam Cedar or or Benjamin Dixon or Nomiki, who I used to work with, like the authorities on the movement? Or Jank, who I, who I used to work for. I mean, I ain't even going to get into that. Who, who, who gives them like a higher credential to dictate the strategy? I'm not saying you should by default listen to Jimmy or me. I'm saying pr- pr- the progressive movement is not about credentials. It's not about who's been in the trenches in the movement long, long enough. I would say J- Jimmy, based on what he went through medically, is plenty qualified to propose this idea. You know, I, I won't get into it fully, but, you know, obviously I was let go by the Young Turks three years ago. And I needed health care because I, I needed back surgery. Soon after, I was let go. I was let go by the Young Turks in November 2017. By February 2018, I could not walk. My lower back... My, if you know about back stuff, my L5, S1, I had been going to a chiropractor for months and this brainiac said, no, you don't need an MRI. You're fine. We'll do chiropractic work. You don't need an MRI. By February, I had massive spasms going down my entire left leg, spasms in my uh, hamstring, spasms in my calf, and my left foot had gone completely numb. I was told if I don't get surgery, oh, the MRI that this chiropractor told me not to get showed that my, my lower, my L5 disc had been squeezed. It, it was basically jammed into my S1, my sciatic nerve. And a large piece of my disc had been squeezed onto my L5 to the point that a piece of it broke off and was stuck in my spinal cavity, which I didn't even know there was a thing called a spinal cavity i was living on my own at that time and for days all i could do was lay on my stomach in bed that was the only position that i could get in without severe because what happens is when you have that kind of compression and a piece of your disc is stuck your muscles surrounding the nerve contract they contract that's what the spasms were about When I got to my parents' house, my dad picked me up in the city. I was I was literally in the front seat of his car in thriving pain every bump in the drive. Thriving pain because I had severe muscle spasms and my entire I couldn't feel my left foot. I went to a doctor, he said, if you don't get surgery like ASAP, you're going to lose permanently lose feeling in your foot. When I was let go from the Young Turks, I got unemployment. But in America, you have either Obamacare, which the Affordable Care Act. Guess what? Obamacare in New York, where I lived, would have cost me eight hundred to nine hundred dollars a month without even getting to the de- without even getting to the d- deductible. Without even getting to the de- deductible, eight hundred dollars a month. So I had to go on something called COBRA, which allowed me to keep the insurance I had at the Young Turks for over $600 a month. Again, paying $600 a month before deductibles, before co-pays, before co-insurance, before all that the surprise bills that we all get, pay $600 a month just to maintain the insurance I had at the Young Turks, which frankly wasn't even that great to begin with. Thank the Lord if there is one. I have wonderful parents. They're not rich. They're small business owners that helped me pay for that Cobra. I basically had to split it with them. I had to dip into the very little savings I had to pay for Cobra. And my parents helped me out. That's the only way that I could pay the $600 a month to have Cobra to get that surgery that basically saved my foot Not that my foot was going to be amputated, but I could not feel my foot. If you see, I still have the MRI. If you see, and if you see the chunk of my disc that they took out of my back, I took a picture. It literally looked like a gigantic piece of fried chicken. Not to disgust you. I was in, Jen saw me before the surgery. I was in throbbing pain. In large part, by the way, Because I had hurt my back years earlier, but because of all the travel I did in 2015 and 2016 on the campaign trail, back, you know, a lot of flights, a lot of different hotels. Then I was at Standing Rock, which is the Great Plains in North Dakota. I fell several times, slipped on ice in Standing Rock. I'm not blaming the Young Turks, obviously. You know, shit happens when you're traveling that much. It's not their fault. But you know reporting i'm not in a, i wasn't in a cubicle right i was all over the country and i didn't know cuz a moron chiropractor told me you don't need an mri that while i was traveling my disc was basically jammed into my spine my sciatic nerve and i was making it worse so i tell all of this to you i didn't go into medical bankruptcy like jimmy did thank god my parents helped me out with the cobra i had some savings to p- pay for part of the cobra but if I didn't have my parents and I didn't have any savings, I would have not been able to get surgery. And I would not. I Probably, literally to this day, it's, it's a lot better than no feeling. My left toe, I can't feel. I never got full feeling back in my left toe. You know, with insurance, how much that cost me? Forget the COBRA, which I just told you about. With insurance, for these surgeries, these two surgeries cost me over $4,000. Wow. I was developing status quo with Jen from nothing, and you know, with all due respect to Sam Cedar and Benjamin Dixon and Nomiki and all these other people, poo-pooing this idea. I'm not saying I don't know their situations. Maybe at one point they didn't have health care. Maybe they have had struggles. I have no idea. But there's a lot of people poo-pooing this idea right now that do have health care right now, that are fairly comfortable, and I'm fairly comfortable right now too. My wife and I are lucky. We're not on bread lines. She does okay, and I'm doing okay. Okay. But this idea, this notion that we shouldn't push for this because it's not going to pass right now, that is not the measurement we should be using for the progressive movement. And if that's the measurement we're going to use for the progressive movement, let's not do anything if it's not going to pass the first time, then these things are not going to pass until all of us are in the ground after we're all gone you don't say let's not try because it's not going to pass on the first time there is value in trying at the end of the day why this is a good idea and we now have new information by the way a new poll shows the majority of those polled want pelosi out as house speaker though democrats House majority was nearly wiped out in the last month's election, the party appears poised to retain Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi for a fourth two-year stint as Speaker next month. A new political morning consult poll shows most Democrats think she should keep the gavel, but a majority of voters oppose Pelosi staying as Speaker. Only 31% of all voters think Pelosi should be elected as Speaker when the Congress begins, while 56% think she should not. But self-identified Democrats say the first woman House Speaker should stay on by a 20-point margin, 53 to 33. So overall, she's down. She ha- she's underwater. 56% say no. Among Democrats, frankly, I don't really think that's an impressive number. Just 55% of Democrats think she should stay on? Excuse me, 53%. That's not exactly an overwhelming mandate. And like I said, all these people saying we don't have the numbers, what are you looking at? Again, she's only got a four-seat majority. There's seven current members strongly for Medicare for All. So what are you looking at? Seven is bigger than four. These seven up top have the power to make a demand even if that demand isn't going to pass right away. The four coming in, Jamal Bowman, Cory Bush, Marie Newman, Mondaire Jones, if there is a God, Nina Turner eventually, it only strengthens that position. So then the argument becomes, well, what's the point, Jordan? Yeah, you could have a, quote, performative vote, but it's not going to pass. Well, here's the point. You don't ultimately get the victory without public fighting, public fights for many years before that victory. And part of those public fights are, you ready, performative, but not just for and giggles to continue to move the Overton window, to continue to widen the support base for the policy you're trying to propose. This goes for gay marriage. This goes for the Voting Rights Act. This goes for DACA, immigration rights, you know, a pathway to citizenship. Many, many things that 10, 15, 20 years ago were not, did not have majority support. But because those activists and those movement leaders kept fighting publicly and they kept losing publicly, but they kept building the consensus to a boiling point that politicians, it became untenable. It became untenable for politicians to keep saying no. Joe Biden and Barack Obama, they were, and Hillary Clinton were put in a position where they could, it was no longer a politically tenable position to be against gay marriage. And if you continue to be gay, against gay marriage, you were risking getting kicked out of Congress. So to me, here's why you do it. Right now, first of all, let's go back to the primaries. And uh, when, I, when I have time or when Jen's feeling better, I'll actually get these numbers. When you look at the Democratic primary, even the states that Joe Biden won over Bernie Sanders, Medicare for All had majority support in every single Democratic, prim- party, Democratic primary state, including conservative states like South Carolina, Alabama, and Mississippi. So we have that. Number two, support for Medicare for All has only increased during this pandemic. Number three, We have primaries. We have 2022 congressional races. What can progressives use as a political weapon to primary corporate Democrats? I don't know if there's a vote that we could get them on the record voting against universal health care during a deadly pandemic where at this point 320,000 people have died. And by the time there is a vote, probably, unfortunately, way more. I don't know, would it be possibly a good weapon to have as a political tool to hammer corporate Democrats who vote against it in television ads, in digital ads, in social media campaigns who voted against it on the floor? So no, it might not pass right now, but it would be a political tool to use to widen this, to increase this to get more people in to eventually pass it. This is how politics works. And I, I, I think AOC tweeted it or others tweeted it. All right, well, Jordan, the Democrats know it's not going to pass, so a lot of them will just vote yes, knowing it won't pass. Great. It's a win-win whether they vote no or vote yes. Here's why. If you get a lot more votes, votes yes, you have even more of a case. You have even more of a case if a lot of Democrats that you don't think are going to vote, yes, vote yes. Then you could say, look, this is only this is only lost by 20 votes. However, whatever it is. This isn't pie in the sky. This isn't so far from getting passed. We're 20 to 30 votes away. If a lot of the Democrats vote for it, knowing it won't pass. But even more than that, you could still use that vote, them voting yes for it against them to primary them, because voting yes is just one step. What have those people who voted yes done after that to make it a reality, to pressure Nancy Pelosi, to pressure President Biden, Chuck Schumer? Have, what, who have those people been taking money from since they voted yes? Have they taken money from pharmaceutical companies? Bet you they will. Have have they taken money from for profit healthcare, private hospitals, Wall Street banks that are heavily invested in the for profit healthcare industry? Because perform it yeah, they could vote yes. That doesn't mean we can't hammer them for still being tied at the hip to the for profit healthcare industry. So, again, all of these people who consider themselves the credentialed progressives, the YouTube hosts, the big Twitter accounts, who are poo-pooing Jimmy and others. And by the way, I'm not saying I am the king or authority on movements. I don't think Jimmy is saying that either. No one is. To me, it's actually anti-progressive to claim, no, this person has no credential. This person is a joke. We shouldn't listen to that person. It's not about the people proposing it. It's about the idea being proposed. And I don't know uh, uh, another element that they're not talking about here. They're saying, no, no, we agree with the element of let's demand something for for your votes for Speaker Pelosi, but Medicare for all is low on the list. Well, Tell me when you're going to get a better opportunity, a better moment in history to push single payer healthcare. Tell me when you know of another pandemic coming in five years. Where hundreds of thousands of people are going to die. Where the survivors who survived covid, them and their families are going to be left with, if they're lucky, just a few thousand dollars in bills from their hospital stays. People are saying, no, no, let's demand a $15 minimum wage. They've already passed a $15 minimum wage. Biden has already rhetorically said he's for it. And by the way, even if Biden signs a $15 minimum wage, you do realize it's going to be stacked, just like they did in the States. It's not going to be $15 minimum wage next month. If it passes, they're going to slowly raise it. It's going to be gradual because that's what neoliberalism is. You'd be lucky if $15 minimum wage passes and Biden signs it in January. If every single, if the federal minimum wage goes up to $15, you'd be lucky if it did that in three years. Remember, Bernie got criticized because his Medicare for all policy would be phased in in four years. That's how these things work. So $15 minimum wage in three to four years when all, the, when all prices have skyrocketed anyway, what's that going to be worth? I'm not poo-pooing it. I'm, I'm actually for a $20 minimum wage. I think $15 is insufficient. But the point is, I'm not hearing—I I, I think, personally, a lot of these people who are shitting on this idea, if Jank Uger was the one who proposed it, if AOC was the one who proposed it, if name your credentialed, you know, approved— Progressive approved it, they'd be cheering. They'd be all for it. So I don't know, uh, maybe I'm not credentialed enough uh, or I'm not, you know, cool enough in progressive circles, but I really don't, I haven't heard one, and I'm open to hearing it, but I really haven't heard one take on this in terms of not doing it that really makes sense to me. I just heard kind of the moving of the goalpost and people twisting themselves into human pretzels to continue to explain why this isn't a good idea. But, like, isn't the point of volunteering for the AOCs of the world and the Rashida Tlaibs of the world and the Rokanas of the world and, and all of these people, volunteering your time, volunteering your money, isn't the point to have them actually in Congress fighting? I'm not one who thinks just because they... I, they don't agree with me on every single thing. That makes one a sellout. I don't think that way, and I don't think you should. I, I, we're not in high school. You know, you're not a sellout because you don't agree with me on everything. But I don't really get the point of them being in here. That they're talking about, no, no, let's fight for committee seats. Let's fight for these logistical things like committee seats. Big deal, with all due respect. The squad could get committee chairmanships. What does it matter if you pass progressive things in your committees and they then go to die if the Speaker is Pelosi or if the President is Biden who's not going to sign any of these things? You could pass things at a committee, but that's not the way it works because ultimately you have to have the House leadership and the Senate leadership sign on to them and the President. So I think, personally, to wrap it up, this is a great idea because it's a win-win. Yeah, you might, you're probably not going to pass it on the first try, but it helps crystallize the issue and give you progressives. If you are somebody watching right now, maybe you're thinking of primarying a Democrat, a House Democrat or a Senate Democrat in 2022. Wouldn't you like to be able to use as a political weapon their no vote on Medicare for all during a deadly pandemic where hundreds of thousands of people have died? Wouldn't you think that would be a politically useful weapon? Wouldn't you, even if they voted yes, like I said, be able to say you voted yes, but you're still taking money from these vultures? You haven't actually done anything to pressure Democratic leadership or the president to do this? It's a win-win, folks. And I'm just, I'm really, I'm not hearing any valid arguments, you know. My former colleague, Emma, I, I think, who's with Sam Cedar now, she said, well, Mitch McConnell is, is just re- is, can't wait for Medicare for all to hit the, uh, hit the floor so it loses. And he could use that as a political weapon. Who cares? It has majority support among the American people. And more and more, it's rising in the polls among Republicans. So who cares what Mitch McConnell thinks or wants? He's on the losing end of public opinion.